Hello, hello, Gaining Momentum fam. We hope you are enjoying the waning days of summer and getting ready for the new school year. In anticipation of the going back to school season, we wanted to do our final re-release of our summer hiatus. We hope you will enjoy re-listening or listening for the first time to Gaining Momentum on Diverse Abilities. We thought this would be a good re-release as we're prepping for school and kind of maybe reaching some of our wits end with parenting over the summer Just a way for us to think about some of the intentionality and the parenting our kids with where they're at instead of where we want them to be or where it would be easier for us for them to be that our lovely guests, Gray and Megan, shared with us. So enjoy, and we will see you for the start of Season 3 of Gaining Momentum on Thursday, September 2nd. Take care. Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back. We're here with another amazing, well, we think it's amazing. So amazing. Gaining momentum episode. Meg, you still self-isolating? Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, that was very, what's that song <laughs> from Ferris Bueller's? Uh, bow wow. That's what I call it. Um, Or like Kool-Aid man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm still self-isolating too. Yeah, how's it going? Oh, I'm here. And I am here all the time because I'm (laughs) (laughs) self-isolating. I know. It's been getting a little anxiety for the week right now um, because we're about to go into the week. The weekend's been okay. But yeah, five more days, five more days. Yeah, we're at eight, nine. I don't know. Honestly, again, this is my weekly plug for what is time. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping our new our new documentary out at the end of the season. What is time? <laughs> so what are we talking this about this week on Gaining Momentum? This week, we're talking about parenting children with diverse abilities. Another word that some people use would be neurodivergent or neurodiverse. But mm-hmm. however you like to think about it, that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about today. Yeah, we had two amazing guests uh, who you'll get to know in this episode who were super generous. They came on and shared with us a little bit about their experiences as parents in general and then as parents of kids who have diverse abilities or are neurodivergent. So we really hope you take a lot from the conversation. We sure did. It was a beautiful conversation. And you shared too, Megan. Did. I shared a little bit as well. So uh, it was lovely to have some time as a community to talk about our experiences. Enjoy. So excited today to welcome a very good friend of mine, Megan, to the podcast. So not yourself though, right? Not myself. Imagine <laughs> it was just me, me talking to me. <laughs> My friend, who is also named Megan, as uh, a close friend and actually more like a family member of mine. And I feel so fortunate to have Megan in my life. And we've had the pleasure of also being able to witness one another's children develop and grow in such a special and unique way. So Meg is the mom of two wonderful kids, uh, Holden, who's six, and Bo, who's four, almost five. And we're really excited to talk to Meg today because uh, Megan's older child, Holden, he's sweet and he's a heck of a dancer and a DJ. Uh, (laughs) And he's 
<laughs> He's also uh, neurodiverse and has had a recent autism designation in the last year or so. Uh, and so we were really excited to talk to Meg about what that experience has been like. So Megan, thank you so much for being here. We're so happy that you were willing to chat with us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited. Thank you guys. We're excited to chat and learn and listen. Yeah. And we may have another guest joining us later in the session and we'll let you know when that person pops on as well. I've been using the term diversability and neurodiversity, but it's really important to us that we are using terms that feel like they fit for you and your circumstance. So what are you, what are you most comfortable with when you talk about those pieces? What do you you use? Yeah. For us, we typically, we kind of stick with Holden being neurodivergent. Um, I use the words autism and autistic child honestly like pretty interchangeably as well mm-hmm. so because that's you know he that's who he is and he embodies that and that's what makes him so special so yeah definitely definitely mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit too like along the way about how like language is so important but also like reframing language is so mm-hmm. important so like you know where there may have been stigma with saying autistic child or like using that language now it's like trying to get to a place where it's like no it's a dis- it's a descriptor of how this child is wired and how they how they operate and it doesn't yeah. we're hoping to get to a place where it's like that doesn't have um, stigma attached to it it's just like no- yes. knowing about their wiring and how they what makes them tick right yeah i don't want it to have like a negative connotation to it mm-hmm. saying that and that, that that's funny you mentioned that because it actually is something that we struggled with a bit on this journey is like the proper language and like mm-hmm. offending different groups within the community mm-hmm. and figuring out what works for us mm-hmm. and what we want to say and how yeah. we want to talk about Holden mm-hmm. and it's I feel like it's still a struggle sometimes sometimes I bite my tongue mm-hmm. I want to say the right thing all the time mm-hmm. and that can be a bit of a challenge but yeah you know, and you're only a year in too, right? So it's still fairly new for you and like kind of finding yes. your place, I'd imagine in like your comfort level. And I'm sure like with time, the descriptors and the characteristics that you use will change too. Absolutely. Because even though, so he was diagnosed in December, uh, November of last mm. year. Okay. And so it's still, it's quite new, even mm-hmm. though of course to us, it's like, was no surprise in (laughs) in that sense like we knew you know we were just happy to have it official yes Mm -hmm. Um, but since it became official yeah we've been very aware of how we speak about it just to make sure we don't yeah offend anyone or say anything that doesn't make sense for us yeah Yeah. and it's it sort of feels like you know that's like so um respectful of you and so mindful but also like what makes you comfortable and what feels like it works for you is just as important as that other part of the, the conversation. Sure. Right. Yes. Um, so that's tricky. Have you had experiences where people have challenged you on the language that you're using? No, thankfully not really, but I feel like I've witnessed a lot of it mm. online. I knew you were going to say online. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes me paranoid sometimes about what yeah. I'm saying. Cause I find we personally haven't, but that's, that I feel like that's like a good thing and a bad thing. That means we haven't had a lot of discussion about it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't talked to us or we haven't been immersed in the community um, mm-hmm. as much as we could have, or it's also good that it just hasn't happened and we haven't offended anyone or had yeah. anyone challenge it. Um, but I see it online a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, there's very polarizing 
mm-hmm. um, views of of how people want to speak about neurodivergent children yes. and abilities and stuff. And then there's the differences between neuro- neurodivergent and neurodiverse and then autism, autistic. It just, there are so many mm-hmm. different camps. And I think it's important yeah. to find your comfort level when talking about yeah. your child. Like, as like, I was gonna say like Megan said, but you're both Megan, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like my co-host said, <laughs> it's yeah, it's important to find your way and what works for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, yeah, we just want to do right by him mm-hmm. and with how we uh, talk to people about it and how we allow other people to yes. talk about it too. Yes, right? absolutely. I don't, I don't, again, I guess we haven't uh, encountered a bunch of challenges on that front, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's always something that we're thinking about that I don't want someone to say something that also might offend us. <laughs> so. Okay, our next guest has arrived. Here comes our friend Gray. Gray is a friend of mine who has been such a ray of joy and sunshine in this parenting journey that we're on. I was lucky enough to meet her through the parenting village that she has created. Gray built a network of female identifying parents who are raising children of color. And it's been a source of laughter, of insight, resources, and sharing, especially over this past pandemic craziness of a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever we're at now. Gray is also a kick-ass mother of two, raising children who are neurodiverse and neurotypical. So thanks for joining us to chat today, Gray. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. So I described your son as neurodiverse. Mm-hmm. What terminology do you like to use? Do you like neurodivergent? Do you like child with autism? Where are you at? I actually, I call him an octagon. That's where we are right now. <laughs> nice. Octagon. I like it. Octagon. Yeah. How old is your octagon these days? He is 10. It's so great, actually, because your kids, um, just having you both on today, are at are at kind of different ages and stages. So that's actually pretty wonderful that we get to kind of look at that a little bit. And um, we often talk to a lot of people that have really little kids. So it's exciting when we get kids that are like moving into their tween, their tweendom. That's what we can call it. (laughs) How old is your youngest? My youngest is, is five. So you both have two kids. And so I guess I'm kind of curious how do you talk to each of your children about their differing gifts and abilities? I don't really address it as us talking to, I mean, to both of them, but mostly talking to him because he's the one that's experiencing these things, right? We are just here to journey along with him. As things are happening, as we have discovered with front loading, is as things are happening, we are communicating. And so I think because we are also very hands-on as things are unfolding we front load each other we we are holding each other's hands through all of it so when it comes to that component to that communication it's full transparency it's 100 percent transparency because I cannot assume that he can't handle it or she can't handle it. Actually, just surrendering to the child, you know, Mm -hmm. they have a lot more figured out than we give them credit. Mm -hmm. And so as things unfold, I think it's just giving them what in many ways 
I want for myself, which is transparency, which is mindfulness and communication. And then in, in a way, it's kind of also me giving that to inner child because, right. you know, I feel that um, through them, I am reparenting myself. Mm-hmm. And so the way I communicate to them is the way that I want to be communicated to. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's so it's interesting how we we t- we can get in a habit of projecting maybe like what we're worried about or what our fears yeah. are in the way that we maybe choose to communicate and what an important gift and learning to like really ground in like there's so much strength in what they what they already know about what they need and, and who they are mm-hmm. and where, th- what they're coming to the table with. So that's like, just like such a good reminder. What about you, Meg? How are you guys? Mm-hmm. Megan, having Megan. That? we're differentiating Meg yeah. and Megan. <laughs> I just blew it. I blew the whole system because I call <laughs> Megan Meg. I know. Um, it's funny. Cause um, your child, your child's yeah. a little bit younger. And mm-hmm. so yeah. what does that look like? And, and it's a pretty new designation yeah. or information in your life. How are you guys talking about that with him? Yeah. So with Holden, we, we've used the language. We've said things like autism. We speak about the things pretty openly with him. Um, But Gray, you kind of said the same thing. Like they know a lot more than we give them credit for. Like our youngest who's four, he, gosh, he, he, he knows how to treat Holden now you know what I mean like it's he you can feel that he knows something um he's changed things in his own life around Holden and he's only four which Mm -hmm. is wild and Holden himself he he's pretty self-aware as well sometimes with it Mm -hmm. he will talk a lot about his um bad days and he'll come home and be like it was one of my bad days mom it was one Mm -hmm. of my bad days or Mm -hmm. um one of my hard days one of my hard days that Mm -hmm. kind of thing so I don't know like we we try to be as transparent as we can for sure we're 100% not holding anything back Mm -hmm. and we don't want well because yeah we don't want him to feel like he's different at all or different in a bad way right Mm -hmm. so it's yeah, we're pretty, we're quite open, I would say, with it all, with him. But yeah, since they are, since he's a bit younger, we haven't had a lot of full-on, quite in-depth in discussions, mm-hmm. but he definitely picks up a lot more than people think. Mm-hmm. And with Holden, like, he's such a, like, inquisitive, science-minded kid. There's probably that opportunity you know, with him as he, as he does get older and of even like, just like talking about like the incredibleness that is his wiring and like his brain and the things that it's doing. Um, that's something like in our experience, which is a little bit different, but it's something that we do a lot of, like, we talk a lot, we, we talk about brain science a lot. Um, Hold on, Meg, Meg, sorry. I'm going to interrupt you for one sec. Cause now that you've brought that up. So you are also raising a child who could be considered neurodiverse. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what is going on with your child? Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's just uh, a little bit of a different experience, but some similar, similar experiences as well. Um, So my oldest, yeah, he, he fits into like neuro, a neurodivergent category as well. Um, 
the desig- his designation is like a, a gifted designation, it just means that his wiring is such that he has always been like significantly significantly ahead but that's not even the language I'd want to use it's just like he he needs a lot more stimulation to like stay focused and engaged so um that's that's like the designation that he has in order to have like an IEP at school and like Mm -hmm. all those pieces and of course like yeah there's been lots of discussion over the years about like ADHD designations and other like um parts of the puzzle that perhaps as we move through become relevant or don't so that's sort of like that's sort of what we are, our situation looks like, but similar experiences in some ways, uh, in terms of like, just struggling with, you know, like how to exist at school and mm-hmm. like that space not being designed for, for you following the IEP and all that stuff. Right. Like it's totally. And just like existing in spaces that like, aren't designed for you and what your needs are. And then like the challenges that that creates in terms mm-hmm. of like behavior and focus and attention and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, brain science for us has been a big thing. Cause he's like, that's like, he's interested in that. Um, so I'm just like, I'm thinking about holding down the road and that might, that might be something that is like a peak of interest for him as well. Absolutely. Yeah. He's holding is he's very into math right mm-hmm. now for mm-hmm. sure he's still into math he is very he perseverates a lot though like he gets very focused on like this one thing and it might be for like a week it might be two weeks it might be three months and then he might never mention it again he was right. practically uh, like a chess master a couple months ago and now he <laughs> ref- absolutely refuses to play ah <laughs> uh, so you're gonna have to give up on your queen's gambit dreams yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we just need to keep keep um showing him different things and uh things that we think he would be interested in or find rewarding or enriching we just kind of go with the flow he absolutely loves barbies right now so he's got a ton of barbies and tons of dolls and that's kind of his focus right now and he loves it so i love that so much yes yeah well, I was going to ask about kind of joys and hurdles unique to your family situations, but I've been kind of rolling it around in my head since Gray mentioned the idea of challenge of, <laughs> so it kind of made me circle around in my mind a bit, the idea of being more flexible and more kind of open in your parenting and hearing what your child needs and not trying to impose needs on your child. And so I guess one of, instead of asking about the joys and challenges, I guess, what have you learned about yourself as a parent mm, and what are you question. still learning? Ooh, that is a very good question. That's juicy. <laughs> that is a juicy, <laughs> juicy question. I feel like I've learned through this to listen to my kids more and be more patient. I feel <laughs> patient. like, right? <laughs> like the patience is it's huge you know I feel like I I have had to rewire my brain a lot with things Mm -hmm. you encounter these situations um with Holden for example he has these he kind of suffers from a lot of like manic episodes sometimes and it might be something to someone else they might find so insignificant of course right Mm -hmm. they might think it's just 
it's it's just a toy it's just a tub it's just bedtime you know what I mean um and to him it is not like just Mm -hmm. that and Mm -hmm. you can't say it's just this like get over it like it's yeah so so I have really my husband and I've definitely had to rewire our brains for the better for sure Mm -hmm. to support him through that support him through those episodes and how we deal with how we talk to people um if someone's ever watching him if someone's ever you know a family member's like babysitting that Mm -hmm. kind of thing like we really need to make sure that we have the confidence in them that they also will not speak to him that way right about saying it's just it's just this you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so yeah I think I've definitely learned to be a lot more patient and really rethink and take a step back before I open my mouth. What a gift. Yeah. What about you, Meg? Oh, me? Um, well, I'm always still working on patience on every level. Abby and I have like, that's like a theme of our <laughs> parenting life is patience is a struggle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That rewiring around, especially like when you pile on just all the things that like you're experiencing in your life on a, any given day, really needing to like take a deep breath and like get on the Cause you know, like I was going to say, make the same, uh, my child's or roommate. Yeah. my roommate. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, I I think like, I, it's easy for me to be like, just do that thing that you said, Meg, where, or Megan, uh, where am I? Um, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, and he does, he does have that same tendency too, where like, you know, like that sensitivity and like, um, something will, be a very big deal for him um and I just like that's been that's definitely been a rewiring too just like trying to like put myself in that like it's not ridiculous it's not silly it's it matters for him in this moment I'm and sometimes I'm successful with that and sometimes I'm not sometimes with everything else going on I've I've it's like I can see myself out of body and I'm like don't do that that's not how we <laughs> approach this i know that's not effective i know that's not helpful what i'm saying or doing but it's like when you're at a certain point in your own like mm-hmm. day or whatever but even just that gift of like learning that you know you need to do that thing even if i'm not always successful at it what about you gray being a parent to my octagon and being a parent to my little fireball. (laughs) I used to think it was different. I used to think that I could be this mommy for him Ah. and this mommy for her. Uh Nobody says it's easy, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot less challenging when I not only listen to them, but also listen to myself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has come with honing the awareness of my child has needs outside of myself mm-hmm. and my understanding. However, <laughs> I need to show up for him or for her. Yeah. So... I feel that when it comes to parenting, I have learned that as long as I show up authentically as myself and do my very best, it doesn't mean that my best is going to be appeasing to them. I think about myself in that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think, hmm, how do I want to show up? 
-hmm. how do I want to show up right now? Because to a five-year-old, if you say no, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's not going to be like, okay, I understand. (laughs) It's definitely not going to be that. So I have learned to just kind of be very mindful, Mm -hmm. not just for her, but for myself as well, because I know that the action is going to cause a reaction, which is going to later on. So as the adult, (laughs) I just, I try to be mindful always, you know, um, and move with intention. Because if I just loosely be like, okay, we're going to the backyard. If I don't have a plan, things can turn out really chaotic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have to be intentional about even going into the backyard. Okay, I've got sunscreen. I've got snacks. Each one of them have gone to the bathroom at least once before we've gone (laughs) outside. Like, these are all the things. Mm -hmm. But I don't do this with my head. I allow... Mm -hmm my parenting to come from a space of inner (laughs) child. And I can find balance in that as a mother. I think it's just getting into getting into the knowing that even if your kids are eating ice cream Mm -hmm. at 7am, you're you're still showing up. Yeah. You're still it's not like that's going to take off of your mommy (laughs) points. Oh, oh, gosh, God forbid they have ice cream for breakfast. Like, nobody died it's okay I think that's a good reminder because things can feel so high stakes in the moment and it's just like Mm -hmm. you know you get so into your own head and lose sight of the situation and what the actual perspective is and like what what will really happen are there actually consequences Mm -hmm. to this what really matters it's different from what you envisioned in your head I want to say, Megan, I saw you nodding when Gray was talking about, you know, the intentionality and the planning required to just execute something such as going into the backyard. Yeah, there's, uh, I was just like, yes, like, that's it. Like, things. <laughs> like it's, I find, um, yeah, a lot of people just don't understand. I find a lot of work goes into something as simple as going in the backyard. Something that seems like just, okay. they'll just go in the backyard or just put them in the backyard. Like for us personally, it is not that simple. We actually can't allow them to be alone outside because it causes a lot of meltdowns and a lot of like mania with Holden. He gets into very difficult situations he can't navigate out of if Evan and I aren't out there. And that wears on our youngest as well and so gray you were talking about um being mindful and showing up and like we struggle a lot with showing up for both kids it's very i find it's very difficult to meet both Mm -hmm. their needs and i constantly feel guilty for that i'm constantly feeling this guilt that you know Bo is left in the dust some days because Mm -hmm. holden absorbs so much of our energy and it's yeah, it's this constant struggle, mm-hmm. I find, just to, to show up for both of them. So it's um, challenging. Great. Do you have any advice? Because Megan and her family have just learned about the different wiring of their son in November. So this is all still very new for them. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the wacky world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I heard you use the word 
difficult. And then it was followed by guilt, right? So there's two words, two really heavy words there that are words of your choice. So mindfulness and even that in the words that you choose. I am proud. I'm proud of you because of the fact that you're not saying it's hard. You're saying it's difficult and you're using your words and saying, you know, it's challenging and I feel guilt and it's okay to feel guilt. Allow yourself to feel the things because your child has now been confirmed on a piece of paper. Basically, they've told you, oh, he's got a lot of feelings. But we all have feelings. The thing is that we have been conditioned to put them somewhere, not to use them, not to feel them, but to put them somewhere. Don't be sad. Mm -hmm. Don't feel guilty. Sweep them under the rug. But the thing is that your child unapologetically feels those feelings. Mm -hmm. And so as I wouldn't say advice, because I don't want to advise anybody to do anything. I would say, go with the feeling. If your child is having a meltdown, be there with them. Because maybe, just maybe, a lot of what they are feeling is actually yours. Because as neurodiverse children, they they may be, they don't hold the same shape as other children do. And they don't process information in the same ways that other children do. But if you look around, even now, the four of us, right? The four of us are the same, but we are so different. Mm -hmm. But we all have feelings. And how the four of us choose to process those feelings could look and feel different, right? All of us were taught how to deal with those feelings in different ways. And so I find, hello. Questions. (laughs) Big questions from home and us. (laughs) Sorry. No, parenting happens. I feel like you just got to demonstrate everything you've been talking about. That was brilliant. It was like an experiential demonstration. Yes, yes. Basically, basically, I, I would say if you wake up in the morning, right? And the first thing you do is go on Instagram Mm -hmm. and on your feed, on your timeline is just like bad news. How is that going to make you feel? How did See? So now take the Instagram feed. If you, if you flip that Instagram feed and you put your child there, how are you, how are you feeling towards that? And I have to give this story as context. Basically a neighborhood we used to live in, we went to the grocery store. My daughter was about two, almost three. So we used to have this really cool stroller Mm -hmm. where my kids Mm -hmm. can be in it and they can look out, but the world cannot touch them. It was like (laughs) the perfect pandemic little wagon, you know? So on this specific day, my daughter chose to be outside of said wagon. And my son was not really having that. He was like, I don't, I don't want to be in here by myself. And I said, it's going to be okay. We, we are very big on breath work. And so he was, we were just doing some breathing and then he's like, okay, his breathing usually, cause he's not necessarily verbal. 
fully verbal. So his breathing right. also kind of tells me where he is as far as how he's feeling. And so he was, he was a lot more centered. And this older woman in the grocery store sees him coming out of a challenging moment and then going into like being a lot more calm. But she's alarmed because she's like, why is he flailing? Why is he doing all of that? And here I am. I'm like, well. And before (laughs) I have to come outside of myself, swings around the little then almost three-year-old. And she goes, puts her hand on her hip. And she goes, he has optimism. (laughs) (laughs) So wonderful. And... I just looked at her and I looked at the lady and I said, yeah, that is so beautiful. (laughs) What I'm trying to um, give you with this is I no longer go within myself to give to something or someone that has already decided that they don't understand Mm -hmm. who is outside of our reality. She's not paying my bills. She's not coming to doctor's appointments with me. She is irrelevant to my existence at this point. She's coming into my bubble to express how she's feeling about something that has nothing to do with it. In the same way, I look and I say, this is my child. Mm -hmm. The world is not going to deal with my child. And it's not about dealing with him. It's about managing and handling like something as as gentle as a feather Mm -hmm. because it's your child right and so even when I'm having undesirable feelings about this situation I have to give something that maybe I don't have compassion empathy in that moment and also go even deeper and think I don't get to see the world the way he does Mm. so when he's having a moment I sit down next to him and I'm like okay so how are we feeling Mm -hmm. right like we having a moment because if we're gonna have a moment let's have a moment but these are all things that through like expensive yoga workshops (laughs) and breathing like breath work and all these things that I have had to learn as an as an adult I went to um, a special course to become a behavior interventionist for nobody outside of myself Mm -hmm. and my son. And so these things that we learn, the lifing, the unlearning, the relearning, the rewiring, applying all of that into my children because they are my legacy beyond anything in this life, way they walk, the way they talk, the way they show up in the world, the way they treat somebody who can do absolutely nothing for them. Mm-hmm. That is how, that's my legacy. Mm-hmm. If my son is having a challenging moment, how is he being treated by somebody who is not necessarily in tune with themselves emotionally? Mm-hmm. And when that happens, how do I show up for right. him? That's really interesting because I find that that's something that we struggle with a lot and that it's actually a really timely story that you just said that because just yesterday we had a situation like that and 
Holden, he he has pretty pronounced um, repetitive behavior, like uh, the echolalia, mm-hmm. I believe. Like he he's you know he's re- he'll repeat something over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were at a beach and we had a number of people get up and leave or scowl at us or get very frustrated. And we encounter situations like that often from our neighbors, from um, going to other people's houses and whatnot. And my husband and I are always wondering like, how much do we owe this person? Like how much do I want to tell you about my child? Because right. I don't want to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, do I owe you anything in this public space? He's not harming you. Mm-hmm. I get that he's loud. But at the same time, it's like, I need to be able to take my children places too. And I'm allowed to take my kids out without being scowled at constantly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, so we're, we're constantly like, do I walk over there and tell them he has autism and, th- and then they're supposed to be okay now? Because mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the way it should be no. either. Like they're little kids regardless. Yes. So it just. Megan, I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you read the book Before Agreement? I haven't. We have it, though. My husband, <laughs> uh, my husband has it. We have it. And I haven't. So tap in. Yeah. Because like books like Before Agreement, Vibrate Higher Daily by Layla Delia, um, outside of being a parent, being a parent of a child with needs, far beyond this world's understanding. You need to understand this is something that has been given to you. Arm yourself very gracefully with tools to protect not just yourself, but your family. Mm -hmm. And this is not just for parents of children with complex needs, but with the four agreements, be impeccable with your word. So whatever words you say, oh, well, you know, the world just doesn't understand my autistic child. You're right. You're absolutely right. But if you choose to say, you know what? My child is unique and he's not for everybody, but for the ones that he is, they give him love unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's you're saying the same thing. It's just how you choose to look at, at mm-hmm. it, right? And always doing your best. You're always doing your best for your child, right? Yeah. Because you're doing your best for yourself. You cannot give to your child without giving to yourself mm-hmm. first, no matter how you look at that. And so never taking anything personally. Those people at the beach, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I look, I look at the world and I look at how reactive people are and I smile because they are probably going through such a tough time with themselves internally mm-hmm. that they needed to take time out of their busy day to intentionally allow you to know that you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do mm-hmm. with you? Like that's, is that going to help my oh my cell phone bill has just been paid with your (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the family members the neighbors the beach goers Mm -hmm. they are so irrelevant they focus on what's in front of you 
those beachgoers, those neighbors, those family members, and it would be your own family mm-hmm. too. They are just showing you where they are in their journey. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. Mm-hmm. They're not where you are. So mind your business, mind your journey, and stay focused because each time that you pour into somebody else's opinion, you're taking time from yourself and your mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Wait, you know how at the end of the day you're processing and sometimes we're over processing, yeah. but you're processing what has been yes. said. If the next time that somebody acts crazy in terms of your child, think about yourself as if you had to manage your energy like currency, mm-hmm. honey, you don't have enough. You don't have enough money in your energy bank account to afford all yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. So, not totally. Today. The thing that keeps ringing in my ears is this idea of like, that is not, that's not a, that's a them problem. Like yeah, it's not I a love, you problem or a me problem. Yeah. I love that idea, Gray, of like energy currency. We only have so much. And so where are we going to invest? Um, but I think it links back to something you said earlier about an unlearning, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's an unlearning mm-hmm. that has to happen where we like divest from putting our energy in that in those directions from putting any energy currency into that bank Mm -hmm. which takes practice now it's time for our momentum shout out abby what did you see happening this week in your community your new community I saw a lot because we're self-isolating. So all I'm Mm -hmm. doing is creeping out my window on people. (laughs) (laughs) What I want to shout out this week are my new neighbors, both the parents that I Mm -hmm. have met, as well as the children who've been so lovely and so warm and so welcoming. And Mm -hmm. even though I've only been able to talk to them from like my, the fence in my backyard, since I Mm -hmm. can't go anywhere, it's been really lovely. We felt really welcomed. And the best part is there are a ton of kids who live nearby who are so excited to play with my kid. And I just want to shout out these awesome, wonderful, warm, welcoming, fun, energetic kids who I see just bombing from yard to yard and who are just (laughs) like constantly stopping to chat with my kid through the fence and are counting down the days along with us to when they get to play together. So shout out new neighbors. Thank you. You know, the children feel these Mm -hmm. things, how you're feeling, because whether you want to or not, we are giving this energy. If you don't, if you're not putting it somewhere, it's going to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And so also be mindful of, of, with this situation, how is that being communicated to the children? Mm-hmm. You can go right in and let them know. I think that, you know, they probably are not hydrated <laughs> enough. And when we're not hydrated, we don't, we don't use our hearts or we don't use our heads and we do irrational mm-hmm. things. And so I think that that's why they were behaving that way. Or you know what? We we were way too cool for them. They were feeling intimidated. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> you know? Because if you're sitting with it, they are sitting with mm-hmm. it too. Oh, yeah. And when I'm anxious, uh, yeah, if I'm concerned about what they what these people are saying or thinking or, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of stuff, all that does is rub off on the kids, especially when we when. I, I catch myself literally saying like, calm down or let's be more mm-hmm. quiet or something. And all, and none of that is helpful for 
him, for myself, all because I'm concerned that his voice is a couple octaves higher than another child next to me. Mm-hmm. And we care. And then we're concerned about, yeah, the people. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a great yeah. way to look at it. I feel like that's definitely an unlearning process because we're conditioned, we're brought up to be, to fit into all these boxes based on totally arbitrary rules. Because like, because, you know, we teach kids when you're outside, that's the place to yell and be loud. And then when they're loud and yelling outside, we're like, <laughs> what are you doing? That's too loud. They're like, but I'm outside. <laughs> so it's like yes. that idea yes. of like, where do you let kids be kids? And like, they're kids everywhere they are. So let them be who they are everywhere mm. they are. And I think it's just important to unlearn. And also, like Gray said, we're all just doing our best and our best mm. might look different each day. Our best one day might feel better than it does another day, but like, we know we're always doing our best in that moment, whatever it is, our best looks like whatever Mm -hmm. we have to give. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be kind to ourselves. Absolutely. And I hear like, you know, we start, we're starting some of what Gray was saying there is starting to make me think of like the idea of advocacy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because like we're t- you're talking about like where do we put our energy where do we and how do we show up for that kid in 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 the ways that we need to so I would be interested to hear from each of you um, what has at have you had to dig deep and advocate whether that's like in like I don't know what everybody's like school situation looks like or you know like what or whatever resource um, resource situation might be but what has advocacy looked like and like what have, even if we just have listeners who are listening, what have you found works really well for your family and where, where has there been challenges maybe that, um, you know, where people are not showing up in the way that you need them to. And I'm going to tag onto that and say also like in addition to in an academic or educational setting, mm-hmm. also just like in peer settings. Yeah. And yeah, just like, what does that look like advocating for your child socially as well? For us, I would say like a lot of it, since we are so new to this even though like like grace said it's just a piece of paper obviously that didn't change anything like we've known for years Mm -hmm. um a lot of our stuff is advocating and fighting for his needs with the public school system Mm -hmm. which has been challenging to say the least (laughs) and yeah with our peers with family and friends and uh, i would say actually if anyone is listening if they had any concerns of their child's social emotional development physical development anything like that listen to your heart and speak to your doctors and whatever you need to do because we heard ne- like the amount of he's fine he's fine he'll be fine he's fine the the amount of times we had to say like yeah, I know he's fine, but he also has autism. You know, it doesn't mean he's not fine because he is on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So we find we still, even after his diagnosis was confirmed and everything like that, we felt like we still had to constantly advocate for him in a weird sort of, like we we had to prove to people about his issues or something because a lot of people didn't see things Mm -hmm. that we saw so we had a lot of pushback from family and friends like with the he's fine nothing's wrong with him that kind of stuff which was bizarre to us of course um but I felt like you know we're not we're not gatekeeping tantrums I'm not gatekeeping (laughs) um difficult parenting I'm not gatekeeping like um hard days I know every kid has hard times I know every kid like parenting is very difficult all around like all around right Mm -hmm. um so I felt like we had to advocate 
for him social settings and in school setting because he doesn't necessarily immediately portray himself like he doesn't Mm -hmm. clearly look like he has challenges yeah um so I felt like we're constantly fighting for the care at school Mm -hmm. because he you know he's compliant at school so we have to constantly he still needs his aid you know especially when he's the most compliant so that's when you need to be helping him it's like he's internalizing everything and struggling mentally and Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's like the stereotype you're you're bucking against stereotypes and expectations and assumptions of what it's it what you know you know neurodiversity or whatever you want to call it like is supposed to look like and that Mm -hmm. experience is supposed to be when every kid is going to have a very different experience and they're very different people and when you say like well when he is quiet and like for him that means like well he's then he's not being heard Mm -hmm. right just because he's like being compliant doesn't mean that he's thriving in that moment or that he's okay or that he's um, doing okay. Yeah. That's, that says a lot about how people understand like the difference and diversity of how they, what this can look like. And Meg to you, I know you've had to do a lot of advocating too, in terms of making sure your child's getting the stimulation and the ability to try to thrive in the classroom. What does that look like for you? It's always like a bit of a tricky thing too, because on surface, being really advanced in particular areas is is such a privilege and such a gift. But what's challenging is that that's also like like my child is um, or has typically been what's the word asynchronous. Certain areas are really like uh, developed, highly developed, and other areas of our our in progress. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and for, for him, it's like thought of the executive functioning stuff. So like self-control and, um, which is all really like kids are where I, I work on my executive functioning, (laughs) you know, like we're all working on that stuff. But I think when it was like, when he was, at least when he was a little bit younger, like, because it was just like, so asynchronous, you know, we're not advocating for challenge or whatever, because like, we want, we want to keep pushing him ahead and like, ensure that he's like, you know, continuing to like grow his like cognitive skills or his like, you know, those like academic skills. It's so that like he can exist in uh, with peers in a classroom and be not not feel like constantly othered, first of all, and also not feel um, like he's bad all the time because that's what we were dealing with. It's because of like the the um, sort of like lack of I don't know, like this kind of stimulation that he needed in order to like be able to like, well, first of all, I would argue like the system is jacked to begin with because like nobody wants to sit in a chair all day and like, (laughs) you know, especially like kids. So like a lot of the things that I feel like we were advocating for, for him were sort of like every kid, like this is what everybody needs, you know, like we're, I feel like we're all being like, we're just training kids to like be good, like employees, (laughs) not like (laughs) people. Um, so, you know, it's just like that there's, there's that tension sort of, I think in our experience was like, this isn't about like, oh, he's so brilliant. We need to like continue to, it's not about that at all. It's so that, you know, he doesn't have to feel it was, it it was clear. It was having an impact on how he felt about himself every day. Um, because behaviorally it was a real struggle to like be in the room. Mm -hmm. And so if the feedback you're getting from like the adults in that space is that you're bad, Um, and even if nobody says that to you, like you're clever enough to understand, like 
the way that I'm being redirected tells me is the messaging that I'm getting is that I'm, I'm bad. Um, that was our big concern. Like, no, like that was like number one, just like that self-concept. Yeah. So yeah, we made some changes and I don't know, like, I think we are, it's still something that we work through, but then like maturity and like growing, you know, I don't know, like that asynchronousness starting to level out a little bit, but I think about kids all the time in those spaces where like what messages are they internalizing that are Mm -hmm. not the stated messages that have a real impact on how they understand themselves and I was thinking even back to Gray when you were talking about your octagon and how like he can't always necessarily tell you what he's thinking Mm -hmm. so you have to sit there in those moments and find your ways in to get glimpses of what his world is like for him And so I'm wondering, how did you do that after a while? How did you manage to find your ways in and how long did it take you in that journey? Very similar to Megan was saying, they, you know, they, the rest of the world just caught up. I've always known, I've always felt. Mm -hmm. And so I tap into the knowing with my son, IEP meeting, uh, (laughs) Are fun. <laughs> they, uh, if you know, you know, people. If you know, I, you know. Yeah. See, I really, I really changed um, the way I looked at things. I stopped making assumptions. Like I stopped assuming that the specialist that I go and see knows what he's talking about. And so, <laughs> being very gentle, of course, I allow him to be. <laughs> the man with the degree on the wall because before I went into that room for him to give me this shiny piece of paper to tell me I guess you were right (laughs) the way that I look at it now is I I no longer seek that approval from the school or the doctor or the specialist Megan, I heard you say, you know, it's such a fight with the school. The way I look at it now is it's it's not a fight because if it's a fight, then I have to go into, uh, you know, the school with boxing gloves. Mm-hmm. The thing is that before I go into the school or into the hospital or, you know, whatever the situation is that has to do with my children, I say a prayer for the person in there, I pray that they do not make assumptions about me or my child because I'm not making assumptions Mm -hmm. about them. And just honoring how far we've come because Mm -hmm. I am living days now that I prayed for, literally prayed for, where maybe a month ago, a week ago, a day ago, I, I, I wasn't here, you know? And so just being mm-hmm. grateful, we're constantly, you thought that you went to school for schooling? No, try having a kid. <laughs> that is the real, that is the real school. That right there is the real deal. The bullying, the stealing your lunch, all of it, it is happening every day. Mm-hmm. This is harder than high school. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think one of the things that I want to end us on is we're trying to build a parenting community in our podcast landscape. And so one of the things that we like to um, touch on is what kinds of things can other people be doing in their own families to 
make your child's experiences or your family's experiences um, as positive and as loving and as wrapped around as possible. I wish people were just kinder. You know, I wish there was just some more kindness around it. Like, um, I know every child is different, but a lot of children who are on the spectrum, they obviously respond really well to kindness. We all do, you know? So it's like this, Mm -hmm. I just, whenever, for example, we do have someone watch the kids or when he goes to school, all we hope is that they're just nice and kind and that they're... Mm -hmm they won't treat him the way we treat him of course you know that's a big ask but if if they can just be patient and kind and just try to like see the world through his eyes a little bit that would help immensely you know like just Mm -hmm. trying to get on his level a bit more as much as possible I think would be helpful but overall Mm -hmm. honestly just just from what I've experienced and from what I've seen, if they, mm-hmm. if they treated him with a little more kindness or that, I guess like there's this, it, it's not fair to him or to us to pretend that there aren't these extra challenges for him, right? Like it's not fair to put that on him to be like oh he's just like any other kid or something like that because he's not and that that's not fair to him so I just want other people around him Mm -hmm. to treat him with kindness and patience and respect Mm -hmm. yeah that's so important treat him how he is and not how you think he should be Mm -hmm. yeah it's huge what about you Meg oh um yeah I mean that resonates like if people just that thing that you just said, Abby, even around, can we just let people be who they are and not try to enforce some idea of what we think is right or what we think it should be? That goes a really long way, I think. And just like being very celebratory of all the like incredibleness that is in each and every kid and what they bring to the table and what their unique wiring also you know, brings to the table in really magical ways Um, and being able to see those things that sometimes we may look at as like we were talking about, like reframing a lot in this conversation. So looking at those things that sometimes folks will see as challenges and actually see them as gifts and that they have something. um, And I'm hearing so much of that in both what Megan and Gray are saying, like, you know, things that at first we see as a challenge, like have so much to offer us in our own growth as people. And then Um, you know, like what gifts they are and what they have to offer because they have these um, unique differences. I I would hope people can prioritize that. And for you, Gray, you have the added layer of raising a child of color. Mm -hmm. And so what can we do to make sure we keep your kid safe and we keep your kid happy? Uh, (laughs) You know, it's different. It's I wish I could say it's different and the same, but it's definitely not. Raising a child of color Mm -hmm. in a world that has been conditioned to see him as other, it's different Uh because as a mother, I'm not only thinking about my child, I'm also thinking about your child. Yeah. 
And with that, I, I don't really expect too much. I just allow people to show me who they are. And then I move accordingly. Mm, I love that. Because you could tell somebody, well, you should be nice. And they'll be nice for as long as it suits them to be nice. Yes. yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I make sure that I'm also preparing my child for the world out there because mm-hmm. I'm not yes, I'm yes. not really over here trying to instill fear into my child. But I am mm-hmm. teaching both of them about the realities of the world that we are living in. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I, I make sure that as, as a word for mothers out there with children across at like every like, you know, complex needs, not complex needs, neurotypical, neurodiverse, whatever it may be, square, circle, octagon, triangle, it doesn't matter. Think about that little boy or that little girl as your own. Mm. Because that the bully at school is also going through something. I believe that and I feel strongly that if we just bring more awareness of our surroundings, like at the beginning of the school year, I go in and I read a book about children who have seizures to my child's class. And if they have Mm. questions, they can come and speak to me. And if their parents have questions, they can come and speak to me. And I think that, you know, just gaining awareness of somebody else's experience. I like that. I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Yeah. Parenting with intentionality, both like our own children and about children outside of our households and being kind and just being there for each other. Absolutely. And I can't thank you both enough for talking with us today. So much beautiful insight that I hope folks that are in our listener community can really take a lot away from and it was so generous of you to share your experiences. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for having us. And now, as always, let's pause for momentum. Worthy. Just be more social. Just look me in the eye. Just pay attention. There is nothing just in setting the table for failure by asking for what cannot be given. I can't isn't an excuse, but often the reality of the situation. I can is the reality in so many more if you care to look. Neurodiverse, neurodivergent, diverse abilities, all words meaning worthy. Worthy of your time, worthy of your patience, worthy of taking up space, worthy of your love, worthy of not being confined to your preconceived notions, worthy of being celebrated. Worthy of simply being. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Enina, Oji Cree, Dena, and Dakota peoples, and on the homeland of the Metis Nation. Gaining Momentum. Gaining hosted Megan and Abby. With artwork by Catherine Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.